It's better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you're an idiot than to open it and leave no doubt. You know, I hope there's Bigfoot. I don't think there is. What a beautiful woman. Wow. He's, AJ's doing Whoa. some things right down So if you're a youngster in Alabama, start getting the football out and throw it around the backyard with Pop. Welcome to the podcast. We have an interview with Graham Hall, 247 Florida representative. That's about 70 minutes into the pod. You can listen to our week one recap right now. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and we are officially in full swing of college football. Week one is now behind us. Some teams have scored. Some other teams haven't scored, yet still won. Uh, big things to come, but we're officially in college football season, and it is definitely good to be back. I'm, I'm glad to be in the situation we're in right now. Feels great. Feels great. Really nothing to add. Really ecstatic. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, there's not much else to add to that, so I guess we should just hop into uh, – our uh, world-renowned segment, Fumble or Gift Basket. I don't care who starts it. Just go ahead. Somebody start I think Tom wants to start it. He's, he's antsy is what I've heard. So we are, we are doing a little switch here for all the, all the podcast listeners. Um, we are now changing the Fumble to the Clown Nose segment. Um, we might still keep the Fumble. We don't know yet. Um, however, I'm starting us off today with maybe the worst college football game played this last week, maybe the entire season. Iowa football, boys. They're horrible. They could not move the ball against South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. Shout out to Tyler Gillette. No, he loves that team. I mean, it is – I'm looking at the stats right now. Spencer Petras, 11 for 25, 110 yards, one interception. What's his name? I don't know his name. Petras. 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 He's ass. Okay, he, yeah, he's ass. Um Horrible, absolutely horrible. Running the ball, horrible. Defense, defense didn't look horrible. I'll say that. The defense looked okay. Um, however, Big Ten football is in full swing, 7-3 to three game. I There wasn't a touchdown scored in that game, boys. Two safeties and a, and a field goal for Iowa. Jackrabbits got a field goal up. I mean, it. that was a hard game to watch. I don't know if too many people did fully. I. Iowa fucking sucks on offense. They're horrible. They are horrible. They they have the clown nose for maybe the rest of maybe the rest of the season. You got to think about it this way as well. If South Dakota State didn't uh, shank that punt, final score probably probably would have been four to three. Yeah. <laughs> oh bad God. Is that a score gummy? You think? It's got to be a score gummy. Hundred percent. Four to three. In the game. I mean, let's let's just go ahead and, and, and address it. Iowa's, Iowa's plan was to get a safety. They were playing so their defense could get a safety. They were punting on their own th- on the on South Dakota State's 37-yard line on fourth and one, so that way they could get a safety because they knew their <laughs> offense had no chance of getting a first down. Like that was they were playing for their defense to get a safety. They didn't even care about a touchdown. What a backwards like they didn't even know what end zone they were going in. Quite frankly, they didn't need to. 
That offensive coordinator needs to be fired and then crucified. That it is. I mean, dude, I could run an offense better than that team could. That's horrible. It was bad, man. It gives you one more reason to feel bad for those kids in that hospital for having to watch that game. (laughs) (laughs) They're not helping Cubs with their performance. I can tell you that. Do you think those kids in the hospital were booing after the end of the third quarter? (laughs) I would be absolutely. Move me to move me to a different hospital after this. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, right. enough on Iowa. We want to put the clown nose on Iowa, and not the uh, can the kids that have cancer. They 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 deserve all, all the support oh, in the world, all the fruit baskets in the world. They need they need a couple more touchdowns, though, Hawkeyes. Let's see if we can do it next week. Um, so my clown nose segment uh, of the week, the, the team that gets that for me is the Louisville Cardinal. Louisville Cardinals. I don't I don't know. They don't deserve to be called anything close to good. Uh, listen here, the number one running back in the country is committed to Louisville right now. A couple of big-time recruits are going to Louisville. A lot of it has to do with NIL. But I'm hearing, I'm, I'm hearing this year, hey, Louisville, don't sleep on Louisville. They've got uh, Appalachian State's old coach. Don't sleep on Louisville. They got absolutely pantsed by Syracuse. <laughs> Syracuse <laughs> pantsed Louisville. <laughs> 31, I mean, I'm, I haven't watched the game, so I can't really say too much. I'll watch the highlights after. But I'm sitting there watching the bottom line, and I see the bottom line read off. Syracuse 31, Louisville 7. We've got, I mean, Louisville has got Louisville Slugger. They've got Papa John's. They've got all this money. You know they don't have? A win over Syracuse. That's sad. <laughs> like, let's let's just, I mean, come on. Uh, we were expecting would Syracuse you say, to be bad. Would you, would you kind of compare a loss to Syracuse like a loss to Kansas? No, it's not that bad, but it's losing to Kansas 31-7 is unheard of. So when you lose to Syracuse 31-7, I mean, my God, man. Like, what were they doing that game? Like, what was going on? Getting in the pants. Getting pants. They got pants by getting Syracuse. pants. <laughs> so they deserve a clown oh, nose, a special clown nose. Uh, you know, my gosh. I got to give my clown nose to a person this week, but – before I say that, they won the game. So, I mean, it's hard to give McLaren's, but what the hell is Mike Norvell doing on that last play call in the goal line? Oh, my. Just, just go under center, man. Mike Lowe knows has to go for that play. Why the hell are you pitching the ball? You have game one. Just take a knee if you have to, literally. In 1980, we're pitching the ball back to the running back at the goal line. You have a chip shot field goal, but you're pitching it. I'm, Horrific. I'm telling you, he's That's got a lot of Scott Frost tendencies. Yeah. My clown note of the week is uh, I'm not sure if you guys were watching the Central Connecticut State University UConn game this weekend, but I was tuned in. And, and, and halfway through the first quarter, it's three to two UConn, and the ball's kicked off to UConn, and um, UConn's return man fumbles it and it goes behind him, so he has to run back to get it. And for some odd reason, and of course he hasn't been playing well, the shortstop of the Yankees, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, is getting absolutely thrown under the bus by the UConn commentator saying, that ball goes by him like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa for the Yankees this year. And for no absolute reason in this random game, he's getting absolutely torched by these football commentators. So that's my clown out of the week is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa catching strays in college football. It's tough. All right, boys. Especially a game. Oh, UConn, yeah. UConn, Central Connecticut. They, UConn put a put a beat down on Central Connecticut, 28-3. Hey, UConn's not bad this oh. year, man. No, they're terrible. They're not good. <laughs> um, yeah. 
<laughs> I have a fruit basket, a very, very, very special fruit basket this year, this game, um, or this week, sorry. Um, the Kansas Jayhawks are hot. I don't know what else to say. They looked amazing. I get they're playing Tennessee Tech, but they looked electric. Jaden Daniels ended with the third best QBR out of any other quarterback in the entire nation. I don't know what else to tell you. I'm sold. I'll tell you this. I'm sold on that Kansas team. Drew, shut up. You don't have them. You don't have, you can't talk here. I'll tell you this. West Virginia minus 14 is an absolute lock. It's minus 13 now. It's going down. No, it's going down for a reason. It's going down for a reason. I'm telling you, if the Jayhawks can keep it going, keep it moving, I'm feeling great about the season. And if, Drew's going to have to get a tattoo on his ass. It's going to happen. West Virginia's bad. If they if they win this week, like, there's a legitimate shot. Like, there's I, actually a shot of, of Kansas like, doing something ridiculous. If, if they win I'm this week, you. bowl game. Mark it down. If they win this week, bowl game. Absolutely. We're bowling. We are bowling. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I have had so much Kansas slander by everyone around me. All of my roommates. And You're guess what? And guess what? They're going to a fucking bowl game this year. They're doing it. I can oh, care. Be I will too. I, okay, I don't care if OU, whatever hell they're doing. I'm oh, going to God. I'm going to see Kansas play. Yeah. <laughs> if you watch out, guaranteed rate bowl. Watch out. Come on. I got a fruit basket for this week for Old Dominion for two things. Having the cutest mascot in the entire country. That's it. And they storm the field. First field storming of the year. It's amazing. There's nothing like an old Dominion field storm. Uh, can, imagine, we talk, imagine, can we talk about Virginia something? I, and, and I fear for everybody's lives. The, the media writers and all the people who were talking about uh, across the country, the crowds, the situation that was going on and, and how ridiculous each crowd looked and yada, yada, yada. When it's a million degrees outside, now I get it, UCLA and USC didn't look good. But there's other schools like OU and other schools that were like being torched because their fans didn't stay around the game. Like that's kind of like it was actually a thousand degrees outside this weekend. I am sunburned. I have a ter- look at this. look at this sunburn on my on my chest. That's terrible. And, and they expect me to stay out there the whole time. I have. I, 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 I don't understand that. I have some anger to pick with the non-students going to OU games. Go home. And don't come back. We, they, right. we have fans. We have fans hating on the student section of OU. Granted, we're not the best student section. We're mean, and we we were right about Caleb Williams. First off, we were correct. Um, <laughs> it's it's almost like we haven't been wrong. It's like these fans are getting mad at us. But past the point, there is all over Twitter. They are just. Like, they're trashing us for no reason because we're leaving. And I'm sorry, I'm drunk in the first quarter cheering ten times harder than you are sitting in your chair. Good job. That's all you're doing. I'm getting up. I'm getting rowdy. I'm flipping off a UTEP fan. I Like, come <laughs> on. Like, get up with me and do that, and then you'll really see how it feels. Oh, man. It's UTEP. It's UTEP. And you're getting angry that I'm leaving at halftime. That's ridiculous. And well, adding, adding on to that, the pictures I saw of them ripping into us, they were sitting their happy asses in the shade while we're sitting in a sun oh. bacon. And if you're going to get mad at us, look at the people at the top of the damn bowl. 
They're gone. There were five people up there at halftime. Maybe. Seven people had to get carted out of the game for heat stroke, so. It's 110. All, all I'm like, saying oh, is uh, the day on Friday I played 18 holes of golf in the sweltering heat. I mean, I could have stayed there for a football game. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just right, different. I'm still different, though. That's just me. I could have stayed, but am I going to watch three hours of UTEP football? Oh, no. no. I'm, not, I'm not saying, Listen, if I was, I'm saying if, you. I'm saying I, I could sit there at a, at a UCLA football game. I could sit there for four quarters and survive. I'm not fat. Sorry. Uh, now, for people that, well, uh, if I that were not okay in the heat, I'm sorry. I think we needed more water, more ice. No, I'm not health shaming. I'm just saying I'm able-bodied. I can sit through a football game. If I would have stayed, you would have seen me leaving in a stretcher. <laughs> I was getting lightheaded. <laughs> Drew was struggling there towards, towards halftime. Anyways. I had five beers in me. No. Yeah, next time we will yes. have to get you some ice. Plus, we we'll get you something to put on the back of your neck. Well, this, this is my – give us free water at the OU games. First of all, OU gets free water by Dasani. Give it to us for free. It's fucking water. <laughs> Water. Five five fifty for a damn bottle of water. It's it's water. Oh. It should be free everywhere. I don't care what anybody says. Water should be free everywhere. Yeah, they get you a nice hose. Hose down <laughs> the student section. Dude, you telling you're telling me y'all y'all know that hose at Bartlesville football field. That hose down there, everyone drank from it. and It's elite. We did drink from hose. that. So probably why so half of us are you know a little bit different. They just let us drink from this <laughs> disgusting hose. And we all would, yeah, all right, all right there's a the hose. Get, get on there, put your mouth on. There's a the hose. <laughs> yeah. No, they need it. That's nothing like a hot day at Custer Field, am I right? Yeah, well, nothing like a hot day at Gaylord Memorial Stadium. Get a nice fire hose out there. Just spray down all the students. <laughs> oh. It's all you. We would, would stay. Like to, for all the people shitting on us, I would like to welcome them into a sauna. And I'll lock the door for them. See how they like it. <laughs> Old ass. It seems a little, little fucked up. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Let's, We're let's, locking them. Let's locked. move on to, to some, some week one recaps here. We gave out our clown nose. We gave out a couple of fruit baskets. But let's let's talk about some football here, guys. What did we think of the – let's start from, from chronological order here. So first game that we saw on Thursday was the backyard brawl, Pitt in West Virginia – what were your takeaways from the game? Um, obviously, good game, great, great game, really awesome, awesome game to start off the year. Um, what, what do we? What do you guys think of West Virginia and West Virginia's uniforms specifically? West Virginia uniforms—they're incredible. So they're the best uniforms of the week. Really? Personally, yes. All right, I enjoyed um, them. I, West Virginia—I can't tell if they're good or Pitt is bad. Yeah. Like our pit is a little bit worse than last year. Yeah, that that showed for sure. But I, I just can't. I still can't tell with West Virginia. They looked good, but I, you can't compare them yet. We don't know I anything. As, as OU Texas, I mean, it's a rivalry game. It's going to be close no matter what, in my opinion. Especially in that type of an environment, I think the game had to be close. I'm glad they brought it back. That's one of the better college football rivalries, man. They really hate each other. They awesome. genuinely do not like each other. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I think I tend to lean here that I think I think Pitt actually might have just played poorly, and West Virginia was playing really, really hard. 
Um, but I still think Neil Brown is an absolute weenie. I think he's a bad coach. I think when it's fourth and inches and you have a chance to go beat your rival in a year that you're on the hot seat, you can't just say, oh, no, no, let's, let's put the punter out there. Like, fuck that, dude. Get an inch, man. Get an inch. Your job is on the line. What are we doing here? You have nothing to lose. And, and, he, and he punts the ball. You're on the road. Also, it's ridiculous. Did you guys see Pat Narduzzi's interview with Scott Van Pelt after the game? He was just just pissed off at ESPN. He goes, ESPN told me this would be 75% West Virginia fans. You guys did an absolute disservice to our fans. Just in a weirdly bad mood after winning the game. But <laughs> any other takeaways from the backyard brawl on uh, Thursday? Uh, West Virginia should have won. They should have right. won the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, this, JT Daniels is still a, a very average quarterback. Nothing more. I mean, these guys. I've been saying it. That pick six was the receiver's fault. I he's not good. I'm sorry. He is an average quarterback at best. I mean, he made that incredible play at the end. That that was damn near a catch. Like I, that, I thought that so, play was was JT was everything good. That number zero for West Virginia hit him right in his hands. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't JT Daniels' fault they lost. He threw it right to him, and it just went off his head for a pick six. And then he made that play at the end that was darn near the best play of the season. Uh, that's kind of like a move. That pass that he, the pick six, the receiver not only didn't catch it, he like literally set the guy in volleyball. I mean, he just pushed it right to him for a spike. I mean, like for a pick six. Yeah. Like what a bad play. Yeah, just pushed it right to the to the next guy. Yeah. But. Let's move on to Penn State-Purdue. I think a lot of people this probably look- have the same take here. Purdue looked like the better team for three quarters, in my mind, and by my, my estimation. Not sure Purdue is a winning program yet. And I think that they struggled to, to finish the game just because they've never really been in that situation before where they're not a complete underdog. They're, they're not. They're expected to win sometimes. So uh, they're not ready to be a top Big Ten West program to me yet, and I think Penn State kind of uh, showed that. So what did you guys think about that game? This is my takeaway. I'm changing my clown nose for Mike Norvell to whoever's the late-game play caller for Purdue is. <laughs> Why are you throwing the ball in every single down and trying to win the game? Literally just run the clock out. Run the ball. Brutal. Absolutely horrific play call. Run the damn ball. Purdue should have won the game. The puke six highlight of the week one, in my opinion. Oh, the puke six? Puke six. That was elite. That was an awesome return. No, I'm saying Penn State didn't win that game. Purdue lost that game, in my opinion. Penn yeah. State's bad. I mean, Sean Clifford looked really good in that last drive, but that play calling was atrocious. Penn State has just fallen atrocious. from, like, a top ten team to they shouldn't be ranked all season. Also, Sean Clifford's overrated. I don't four tutties. Yeah, but he looked, he, the, he looked bad for most of the game. Yeah, he, he didn't look – that that pick six, man, that was an absolutely terrible throw. Holy Oh, yeah. They, the only thing about Penn State, though, their DBs basically just playing man oh. on the last couple possessions, and they were not giving up an inch on uh, Purdue. That, Purdue could not get over. That number nine – oh, geez, that number nine he's, could he's play for the Bills any day of the week. Yeah. He's going to be a top five That guy's crazy. Yeah, very good. Um, other than that, on Thursday we had not a whole bunch else to talk about. Friday there was Indiana, Illinois, TCU, Colorado. Both kind of went the way I think we, we expected them to. 
Um, but let's go ahead and, and start with the 11 o'clock games on Saturday. We had a absolute two classics in North Carolina. First, UNC App State. What were your takeaways from this game? It was a scoring bonanza. And, uh, you know, I, I think App State having that game at home was awesome. But losing in the fashion that they did was probably pretty depressing. So what did you guys think about that 61-63 final? Drake May's elite. It was insane. Yeah, Drake May looks good. Drake May, Drake May is that motherfucker. That's he's is um ooh. is Chase Bryce was he did he go to Clemson before Clemson and then Duke? Yeah, he's been there now. App State his second year. You know, I think App State's one of the better group of five teams, but how they they allowed a, a touchdown on an onside kick. That's brutal. They should have. Yeah, okay. I, so I, if he I, takes a knee, the game's over. They, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was wild. Like, what are you? Dude, what but are you that was that was the most that was the most dominant like blocking I have ever seen on an onside in my life. Yeah. Because yeah. like what they're supposed to do, that front line is supposed to go murder the people who are trying to get it, and then someone comes and picks it up. It worked to perfection. Like Mac Brown, Mac Brown still got some magic in him, and it showed. Yeah, defensively. That was wild. The problem with North Carolina last year was their offensive line and their defense were absolutely shit. And I didn't see anything to to change my mind on that being the case. Their defense, again, 61 points to Appalachian State is a tough one. And also, also, Appalachian State on that two-point just overthrew number 17. It should have been 63. I mean, we should have seen another overtime. Um, Or at least I think think it was, was in regulation. But regardless, Appalachian State could have scored more. And they gave up 61 points. So I don't think North Carolina is any better, but Drake May is really good. Did you see uh, Mac Brown dancing after the game? I usually I tend to stay away from old men dancing, but what did, what did he do? Did he, know, he's just doing. Did, did, he, did, he put that, did he put that shit on, the Antonio Brown? Yeah, he just... <laughs> For for our listeners, that's why you have to watch us on YouTube. Uh, find us YouTube uh, Three Man Rush podcast so you can see Drew dance. Um, well, let's move on. From... Hey, you can see it on Spotify. You can see it on Spotify. Yeah, or Spotify. Listen on Spotify. You can see either one. Um, but here, so let's let's move on from from uh, uh, Appalachian State, North Carolina, to another game in the state of uh, North Carolina, NC State, Eastern Carolina. It might have been the day, day or game of the day. Really, really good game. And I told you guys, I, I'm just going to take a little credit here. I'm going to pat myself on the back. I told you, hey, NC State on the road at Eastern Carolina or East Carolina. Might be close. Could be close. NC State murdered my parlay for this week. That, that, uh, that kicker. That kicker. Yeah. He needs to be cut. No, I knew it. That's I, brutal. I looked into his eyes before he came out on the field on TV and I said, he's not making this. No shot. And I was right. I just needed him to win by 12, man. That's all I needed. And extra point and the game-winning field goal. Yeah, he's he's not the most popular man around campus right now. I can play that. Oh, no. Are you guys worried about NC State, or you think it was just kind of week one jitters? I think they're overrated right. as hell. That's fair. I think, and I've said that. And after, after watching Clemson last night, they might be the best so, team in the ACC still. The, the thing is, is we won't know if they're real or not until they play Clemson in what week? Five. It's week five. They play yeah. Charleston. They play Charleston Southern, Texas Tech. Texas Tech UConn. will be a good one. Texas Tech. 
Uh, that's that'll be a shootout. It'll be a good game. That'll be a shootout. And then they play UConn, and then they play NC, and then they play Clemson. So we won't know anything until then. And then even if they win all those games, lose to Clemson, they play Florida State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech. Their schedule is kind of easy, so they'll they'll be hanging around. And then everybody, like Tom said, I feel like, I feel like they're not incredible. So I, it, people be like, oh, like NC State, you never know, you never know, NC State. And then we'll get to the end of the season, they might make the championship game and then get pants, as Jake said earlier, and, and be like, oh, they were a fraud the whole season. We knew it. If DJ Uyunglele struggled that hard in the first half against the Georgia Tech defense, I think NC State will stop them completely. Yeah, I, I, I struggle to think that Uyunglele, if he does struggle that much, and a, he looks good in the second half, but if he does struggle that much, they're just going to replace him. They just got another guy. So Dabo, they're not scared to, to put in the pressure. Right, he's done yeah, that. They're with not scared to do it. Yeah, he's done that before. I'm not Kelly. I don't think that they need to replace Sui Agalele yet, but I'd give him two more weeks and really see how he really evaluate after that. Who's who's their next week opponent? Clemson, Charleston Southern. Yeah. Oh, Clemson. Let's see. I think Clemson. Clemson plays probably people they, that look like us. They play Furman and then they play Louisiana Tech. So they, but then they, but then their next two games after that are Wake Forest and NC State, who are both ranked. Um. Yeah, I don't know how good Wake Forest is going to be because they don't have Sam Hart. That's surprising because they usually play a pretty good team in the non-conference. Yeah, uh, normally. Yes, they just. Well, they're sick of playing Georgia and, uh, <laughs> after last year, so. But yeah, I played A and M before. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, they, it wasn't Georgia Tech isn't in a horrible team. I guess it's not non-conference though. They they play South Carolina. Yeah. When they play them every year, though. Yeah. All right, you guys want to move to the two thirty games here? We'll go to uh, Cincinnati, Arkansas. What were your takeaways from Cincinnati and Arkansas, and and what what mattered the most to you when you were watching this game? Cincinnati is clearly uh, recovering from losing all that talent. Um, they're nowhere near as good as they were last year. Um, I and I just think it's quarterback play. That quarterback for Cincinnati, he was he was bad. It was real bad. Um, it's not Desmond Ritter anymore. Hate to say it. Um, lost a lot of guys, and I, clearly they're having some struggles replacing him. But I think, I think once Cincinnati gets to the Big Twelve, they'll start kind of ironing out. But Arkansas didn't look horrible either. KJ Jefferson looks good. Mm-hmm. I think Arkansas. I think yeah, I, I can see them like running the table a little bit this year, but they're not going to be in Alabama. I think they're going to have a solid season. So, I mean, I the game went how I expected it to. The close game at Arkansas won. I think I think it could have been differently if they had their center too. They lost their center real late in the the week, so that, that kind of that does not help at all. And their their interior defensive or offensive line did not look incredible, in my opinion. Well, bad I think snaps. that's kind of I think that's kind of underrated for like a quarterback and a center's connection is big. Um, oh, absolutely. Not having like a what a new like a four year starter. Um, yeah. I, that's, that's insane. That's a leader of that defense or that offensive line. Um, that's hard to lose. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to come out and say it. I picked Cincinnati. I was the only person to pick Cincinnati. Uh, ben Bryant. Uh, I don't want to say you know f you or anything, but he threw the game. He threw the game. There was four open guys in the end zone. I counted four overthrows, and their their kicker missed a field goal three times. Uh, so they they missed out on nine points, which would have won the game, but. Those were all field goals because he missed a wide open receiver that was in the end zone. 
I mean, Cincinnati's receivers were working Arkansas DBs um, the entire game. And we just couldn't get an – I mean, he was choosing the right person to throw to. Guy was open, and he's just missing the throws. So I, I was a little confused that they stuck with Ben Bryant that long. I would have probably tried to put in Evan Prater. That's just me. Um, but, yeah, Cincinnati, I think, it, I think it's an indictment on Cincinnati that they're able to play with Arkansas and, and play with a, a top, you know, 15, 20 team in the country on the road in the SEC, even after a year that they had last year and lost all of that talent. They were still good enough to, to be able to compete in that game and probably, I mean, for their estimation, should have won. They had a lot of penalties. It was not – uh, a Luke Fickle, you know, type coached, you know, example of a, of a perfect game. They did not, they didn't play what they usually do with under him, under his uh, coaching. So I was a little bit confused on why they stuck with that quarterback, but nonetheless, good win for Arkansas and they deserve a lot of credit for, for winning in week one. So who else? Who, who, pool. Hold on. Bumper pool is a top five linebacker in the nation. Well, him and Drew Sanders, the transfer from Alabama looks yeah. really good. Uh, I think Arkansas has a lot of transfers on the defensive backfield. Um, so they're going to take a little bit to kind of gel. But if they can kind of get to October, middle of October, November without a loss, you would have to put Arkansas, you know, in the top 10, top top eight, you know, around there. And anything can happen. I mean, they get they get Alabama at home this year. So that would be a, that could be a big game. Shout out Jaden Hazelwood. He got a touchdown. He did. He did. They, they brought in some good sure. transfers, so. They added a lot, and they didn't lose a ton. Uh, Catalan got hurt again. That's not good for them. Yeah, that part of it is not great. We're just going to continue to go here, though. Um, the, other, the other game at 2.30 that was important to me was Houston-UTSA. Did you guys watch any of that game? Sadly. Uh, I did not. So that game went into two overtimes. Great quarterback matchup. I don't think we need to discuss it too long, but I think Houston – beating UTSA. I think UTSA is better than people are giving them credit for. They won the USA Conference USA last year. They were undefeated, weren't they? They lost one game, I think. They lost one game. But it was a good good, good game. Tank Dell. I just want to throw it out there. Tank Dell might be the best receiver that nobody's talking about. And that guy is incredible. Looks great for Houston. So um, give, give Houston some props on their win over UTSA. It was a tough, tough win. It is a tough win, and people are slotting in as the the best group of five team in the country this year. Um, UTSA is probably up there as well. So, I mean, shout out Houston for getting a dub on the road. Yeah. It was a tough environment for them. Yeah. It looked good. That place sounded pretty pretty loud. I mean, I think people underestimate how big uh, San Antonio is. It's a massive city, so they had a lot of fans. And the Roadrunners, Roadrunners are pretty good. They're, they're they had a really good. good year last year. They had like, they had them like getting, uh, the third best offense in the nation last year or something like that. Hey, you ready for this? When the Pac-12 dissolves, UTSA is the next Pac-12, person, uh, the next Pac-12 team. What going? Kind of like it. I love it. They, I mean, hey, UTSA has – they got a good team, man, and a good coach. Hey, tell me right now. Yeah, UTEP and UTSA to the Pac-12. Tell me UTSA right now wouldn't compete in the Pac-12 right now. Oh, they would. UT- oh, UTEP they would. would not. UTEP, UTEP would not compete no. with Tulsa. No. Oh. Okay, UTSA. UTSA would com- compete in the Pac-12. I tend to agree with you. Talk about that Tulsa game. Davis yeah, Brent. Yeah, that game was fun, too. awesome. Yeah, they, 
That guy's a little L. Insane, but they lost. But it's fine. Well, they they because that that kicker kicked the ball off the top. Yeah, of the oh, I've never seen anything like that. It was an interesting one. It was yeah, wild. Except with all these wide receivers fumbling in huge moments this year already. I don't know. It's weird. That was a TC. I'm not TC. That was that was Tulsa's best receiver, and he just dropped the ball after he had like a 40 yard game. It was tough to watch. Hey. So we're back at it. We're going to talk. Keep keep going through the week one games here. The ones that the games that stuck out stuck out to us. But um, Utah Florida was a big time game. I think it was my favorite game of the week. Really, really great matchup. Cam Rising was up to the challenge. Anthony Richardson was also up to the challenge. It was a great little quarterback duel. And I'll be honest with you, I think I think this is just a scene. Uh, I, I want to de- downplay and I want to shit on Utah as much as I can. But I think Florida's just a lot better than they were last year. And I'm going to make a claim here. And I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Uh, I, I chose Tennessee as my ride-or-die team in the SEC. And I know Florida and Tennessee are big rivals, but I'm switching from the Tennessee Vols. I'm on the Florida Gators train. They're my ride-or-die team. They're too much fun. Anthony Richardson is too good. I'm choosing the Florida Gators as my ride-or-die team. Anthony Richardson stole your heart. Yep. Stole your heart from Rocky Top. He did. Looked like a top ten pick. Oh, yeah. He could, he could win the Heisman this year, like legitimately. No, I agree. If he keeps doing that, if he keeps hurtling people and – between the tackles, like that's that's wild. That, that two point conversion play he had was oh. one of the crazy I've ever seen. That was sweet, man. The mid air pump fake, that one. Yeah, that was uh, crazy. somebody else did a mid air pump fake, or no, no, it was Jordan Travis for Florida State threw it while he was just incomplete in the year. <laughs> what about oh, that? Boy. Just targeting. Oh my gosh. Well, let's talk a little more. Is- yeah, it was just horrible. It was, dude. It's a definition of targeting. I guess. Yeah, like if if, if a ref needs to see what targeting is, you look at that video. You're, you guys gotta listen to Coach JB from in, Independent Community College's oh, video on that targeting. He, he loves he loves to post. Going back That's to awesome. the Florida game, though. Um, Could we get him on? Oh, we should. Oh, we. Yeah, that's who we need to get on. But Utah should have won that game. That was a horrible play by Cam Rising at the end of it. Um, I don't know what else to say because, I mean, his tight end fell over. That obviously didn't help, but that ball was getting picked off no matter what. Yeah. The two things you can't do as a quarterback in that situation is throw an interception or get sacked, and he did one of them. I don't get how hard it is just to throw it out of bounds. Just literally. Even if it's a 15-yard penalty, um, you still got to – It's better that to punt than – Send the, send, send the game to overtime instead of just ending the game like that. I mean, shout out to Florida, though. That that crowd was impressive. Mm-hmm. Makes me a little nervous yeah. going to the SEC. I'm not going to lie. I saw – I mean, that was the first time I've ever seen uh, their tradition they do, the Tom Petty song, Won't Back Down. You know, that's pretty cool. That was electric. It was electric. Yeah, it was. I think we skipped over a game here, though, and I, I don't want to skip over it. Actually, I didn't put it on here because it didn't it didn't matter. Um, Oregon and Georgia was just sad, sad to watch. Complete utter domination. Again, I'm going to go back to it. Oregon got absolutely pantsed, and they got pantsed for four quarters, not for one. It wasn't you know, 
the game got out of hand late. They just got pantsed from the very get-go. And I just I don't want to see Oregon on my TV again. Like, fuck that, man. And when they play in some big game to start the year almost every season, and they are they never win. They never win. So don't give me Oregon for at least two more years. Two seasons, I don't want to see Oregon. I'm just – I'm done. They they stink, Bo man. Pick. Bo Picks lived up to his expectation. Same old Bo Picks. I mean, my God, that was bad. It's funny. Jake, I, had a, I had an argument with DeAndre, who is a huge Oregon fan, um, tell, and he was telling me how good Bo Nix is going to be this year, and he texted me during the game and said, yeah, I think you were right. <laughs> he's he's just he's not a good quarterback. He's had two good games. That's it. That was. I, I mean, just, yeah. I want to see Ty Thompson beat, though. That guy. That guy's gonna be real good. No, no. Don't give me any more Oregon hype. I don't want to hear about Oregon. I just don't want to hear about it. Like, but they they are frauds every single time, man. Like, let's just just don't give me them. I, I just exile. Pac twelve. Just exile Oregon. Else? Let's put the Pac-12 down this year. Let's euthanize the Pac-12. We'll put them down like they're an old dog. I'm telling you, the Pac-12 does not matter. Utah, I don't want to hear about Utah. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I don't want to hear about it. They're a good team. They're not great. They're not going to play in the playoff. They're not good enough. If there was a 12-team playoff, I don't want to see Utah. 16 teams, maybe. 12-team playoff, I don't want to see Utah. <laughs> they're not good enough. They can't beat Florida. They're... Like, what are we doing, man? I, I just don't want to hear about the Pac-12. Don't give me the Pac-12 at all. And, you know, I'm saying this, and Oklahoma State plays Arizona State next week, so maybe I shouldn't. But I'm just telling you, I don't want to hear about the Pac-12 at all. It's irrelevant. Yeah. They are very irrelevant. It's just yeah. they don't – I mean, other than USC, I don't know if – and maybe Utah. I just don't know if there's any teams who can even, like, compete against anyone else. There's a reason they haven't, there's a reason they haven't won a bowl game in two years. A bowl Atrocious. game, man. A bowl game. We're not talking about a, a playoff game or, I don't know, a, a bowl game. Win the Sun Bowl. <laughs> Once. It's bad. Win the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> they can't do it. It's bad. Yeah. Um, USC is their last hope to make the playoff. I mean, already. Yeah. So, After well, we maybe, won. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Washington. I don't know. Shit. Utah, Utah wins out. They can still make it. No, Washington's Washington terrible. is not making the playoffs, Jake. Washington looked a little better this year, but yeah, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Okay, they're not making the playoffs, though. No. If yeah, if Utah wins out, they can still make it, in my opinion. No, nope, nope. Fuck that. Fuck that, dude. I do not want to see Utah anymore. They're not good enough. It's just simple as that. And I, I Utah is a good team. They're a good team, but they are not a top four team in the country. So why do we have to keep giving these spots away in the playoff to, the, to we have to act like, oh, well, the Pac-12 deserves a seat at the table. No, they don't. They haven't won a bowl game in two years. Jake, who's the, the American, Jake, who's the American is actually better than the Pac-12. It is. Like, it is. Jake, who's better? I agree. Utah or Kansas State? Who's a better team? Utah. I think Utah's a better team than Kansas State. But I'm just telling you this. Kansas State is better than almost 80, 80 90% of the Pac-12. This year, do you think KC, yeah. if they were in the Pac-12 right now, they win it all? No, they win the Pac-12. No, no, I'm not saying that. No, I mean they have a chance to win the Big 12 this year. So I mean, yeah, they would have a chance over there too. Yeah, but I'm not saying they would. Though I don't think they would. Yeah, no. I think I think USC would probably beat them by. Actually, I don't know. Lincoln Riley is the coach of that team. Lincoln Riley struggles with Kansas State. It's terrified them. I, I just I can't do the 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 Pac-12 man. It's until they prove me wrong, they're irrelevant. They can't beat anyone else. So, like, 
I, I, yes, I'll man. be honest with you. I don't know why the hell Oregon scheduled that game. Like, they, they got absolutely pants, man. Let's just not put them on a field with Georgia again. Clearly, it wasn't. Clearly, it wasn't uh, Dan Lanning's doing last year for that Georgia defense. I know some oh of it was, God. but he just doesn't have the, oh, the dudes yet. That was embarrassing. They let Stetson Bennett look like prime Joe Montana. <laughs> yeah, they man, man, delivered. Okay, here, let's move on to Florida State LSU, though. Or let's do Notre Dame Ohio State and then go to Florida State LSU. Notre Dame Ohio State, what, what were your takeaways initially? Notre Dame's a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Um, I agree. US, or Ohio State's defense looked dramatically better from last year. Dramatically. Like, they're obviously still learning that new system. Um, but they, I mean, it is light and day difference. They can you actually think? stop the ball. Yeah. So I mean, they couldn't, good, stop, they couldn't stop people from scoring last year. Yeah, yeah. How good they couldn't off. get off the field. Now they can't. And then it's just, it, I mean, it's Todd Knowles to do it. Yes, yeah, Ohio State. That Notre Dame's defense impressed me a lot. Stopping that Ohio State defense to only 21 points. Yeah. That's really impressive. Smith and Jigbo is out for most of the game. But yeah. I think Ohio State needs to learn how to win that way where they didn't play great on offense. Like last year, if they didn't play great on offense, quite frankly, if they were playing a good team, they're probably going to lose. And kind of winning in an ugly way where you don't play great, the defense plays good enough, they need to learn how to win that way, and that will just kind of make them better for the season. Notre Dame is not the fifth best team in the country. They're not. They don't have a, they don't have a quarterback. I mean, the guy they threw out there is eh. Who even is their quarterback? Tyler Buckner. And he's, he's, I don't want to yeah, poop what, on him. He, looked, he played all right, but the fifth best team in the country doesn't have a quarterback that's that good. That, that is just kind of an enigma. It's just, that's a tough first start for a guy, though, at Ohio State. Yeah. I agree. Jake, I, I, I will say, I, I want to apologize for shitting on you for taking Notre Dame plus 17 and a half. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat my words. I'm sorry. Hey, I um, knew that was a lock, I, man. I, apparently. Well, there's a there's only one more one more team that has a chance to be Ohio State this year in the regular season. That's Michigan. So, I guess we got to wait till then. Michigan State doesn't have a Michigan. chance. No, no. Tuck isn't coming oh for that God. game. <laughs> All right, um, that'd be a blowout. I the problem is with Michigan is we're gonna have to have them lose to some. I mean, they probably. I hope they lose to like Brett or like Michigan State would be fun to lose to. But if that doesn't happen, it's either gonna flip flop between Michigan State or Ohio State or Michigan and Michigan. Wow, Michigan and Ohio State, like, and they're probably either one of them are going to make the playoffs, whoever wins, which sucks, but. So I picked Michigan to make the uh, conference championship game. I feel a little bit more confident after watching the game week one. I don't think Ohio State was wowing, and I, I think Michigan, I still think Michigan might be the better team right now. Oh, here's a good one. How how are y'all feeling about that quarterback battle between Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy? Dude, McCarthy is so much better, man. He can. He just oh, he feels could. like he's just dominant with the ball in his hands. Well, we got to see how McCarthy does in this next week. But oh, they play the worst team in the FBS. Yeah, Cade McNamara looked decent though. He looked good. Mm. I just think. I mean, I I think I think the problem is they just have two good quarterbacks. Like, I, it's kind of the OU with Spence Rattler and Caleb Williams. Like, you can't really go wrong with either one. But 
it's it's the, I mean, there's clearly one that's a little better. It's the age-old saying: when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Like you just there's no winning in that situation. I think we've seen. I think we've seen what Michigan's absolute ceiling is with Cade McNamara. I think we saw it. Yeah. I mean, mid the playoff, yeah. they were a really good team, but they got throttled by Georgia because they had no ability to be dynamic at the quarterback position, and quite frankly, the wide receiver position. Um, and that's fine. They had a great season. That's that's really good stuff. But in my opinion, you just got to play the, the guy that gives you the biggest, ce- the the highest ceiling. And that's JJ McCarthy. I mean, look at. Look at look at the difference for Florida from last year and this year already. And I think Anthony Richardson, who's a dynamic five-star quarterback, that can run, can you pass. Gotta, I, you just got to have a quarterback that can at least move out of the pocket. I think the days of a quarterback just slinging it, just standing between the tackles, I think those days are gone. You have to be able to run just, I mean, at least a little bit like, right. to be a successful team. You have to be able to avoid the rush. And we say we saw that in the West Virginia pit game, too. There was a couple of plays where they just couldn't get out of the pocket and it ruined their chances. Yeah. Yeah, but let's go to let's go to here to the, the the most, I would say the best game, probably the best game. It, this or Appalachian State, uh, North Carolina, were both insanely exciting games. But Florida State, LSU, lots to talk about here. I don't think you can start anywhere else but with special teams from LSU. What a disaster. What a disaster. Um, two dropped punts, and then Brian Kelly flaming the guy that dropped the punts. Um, so just not a great scene for LSU. And then Kayshawn Butte deletes his Instagram. He's going to the transfer portal, apparently. Uh, I don't think that's true. but that's what Brevin I don't Hurt think he's said. in the transfer portal. No, that was a fake account. Oh, well, I got duped. <laughs> no, they duped me at first, too. But I don't think that he's in the transfer portal. But I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't shock me. Oh, I would love to see Booty to Boutte. <laughs> yeah, I would. That'd make me happy. Well, last year Boutte was before he get, broke his ankle. It's like the best, one of the best receivers in the country. I mean, he, he, yeah, you you don't get to wear number seven at LSU unless you're incredible. That's for sure. Yeah. But what did you guys think about Florida State? I, I thought Florida State looked much improved. I think Jordan Travis, man, I think he's I think he's a good quarterback. I think the whole state of Florida, Miami, Florida. Florida State, and maybe even UCF have all gotten better from last year. Um, I, I would say Miami looks like the favorite in the ACC other than Clemson to me, and Florida State's not too far behind them. Uh, I don't think uh, – this is just me. Florida State doesn't wow me. Like, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're like, holy cow, like this team – like this team's got it. It just – they're just a good team. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they won eight or nine games, but other than that, I can't see much more. I'm with Me Calvin on that they're a good two years away from yeah. really competing. They're they're getting there. They're building, which is I mean it's a plus for how Florida State has been the last five years. But um, I they're 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 a little ways away still. When we were watching that game, me and Calvin were talking about it, and Tyler, we said that college football is just better when Florida State's good. Oh yeah, oh hundred percent, hundred percent. That that atmosphere when that team is good, it's one of the best atmospheres in college football. Yeah, I agree. They, they, did, you also, did you guys not also notice that uh, Florida State played neck instead? Of, like the, no, they did. They did. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. I liked it. So that that video, uh, um, the LSU fan after the PAT being blocked when he was in the sea of the Florida State fans, he was awesome. Yeah, that's one thing you get from the neutral site um, uh, opening games is you see a lot of fan fights. A and B, you get to see a absolutely just disgusted fan in a section where he just shouldn't be. 
the Surrender Cobra. Oh, the Surrender Cobra. You gotta love it. Yeah, I love it. So what do you guys think about Brian Kelly and LSU? Let's let's switch over to the, the losing side here. What what do you guys think about that? I my honest personal opinion is that Brian Kelly is a good coach. I just think it's a bad fit at LSU. I think it's a bad marriage. And I don't think it's either part's fault. I just think it's not a good fit. Could have told you I that agree. when he was dancing on recruits. Because that that LSU in the first half looked absolutely atrocious. I mean, the the score was a lot closer than it should have been. Florida State was dominating that game for a long time. But, yeah, I mean, it also hurts when you lose your five-star defensive end to celebrating Mason Smith. Yeah. That's tough to do. But also, and they didn't look they didn't look very good coached, honestly, because, I mean, why the hell are you jumping up to hit the quarterback in the head as well? Oh, yeah. They're not disciplined. Just, They're not disciplined. Like, literally, I mean, that's just your textbook targeting play. That's what it is. Like, that was yeah, horrible. like, honestly, that should – I think there should be a targeting one, which is the new targeting rule, and the targeting two, which is the old one. That should be a targeting two. That guy shouldn't play next game. Sorry, he shouldn't. Well, was it the second half? Did it happen in the second half? I, I think it did. I think so. Uh, so he's out for the first half of this game? But still, yeah. but still, I agree, Tom. I, th- I think – Egregious plays like that, like he should just be gone for the next game altogether. Like there's, there's no room. For yeah, him. he was literally supermaning to target. I mean, that was just insane that, targeting. That reminded me of the uh, Brendan Radley Hiles play of OU LSU in 2019 when he just took out Clyde Edwards-Helaire when Joe Burrow was scrambling for oh, yeah. a 20 yard game. Uh, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, I mean, you got to be better than that. I don't know what else to say. Like, that's just that's a mental error. That's all it is. That's wild. By the way, um, the AP poll just dropped, so should we cover that? Oh, let's just, yeah, let's look at say the rankings. We can go through it. Yeah. All right. Number one, we got Bama. Number two, we got Georgia. Number three, we got Ohio State, and then Michigan jumps Clemson at number four. It started out. Uh, Clemson fell to number five. A and M number six. OU jumped two spots to number seven with the losses of Notre Dame and a. Uh, Utah, Notre Dame fell to eight. Baylor jumped up a spot to number nine. USC is now number 10. OSU, 11. Wow. Florida jumped to number 12. Florida, one spot over Utah at 12. Florida just jumped all the way into the top 12. They were unranked. Wow. That's actually crazy. Utah at 13. Michigan State at 14. Um, Miami at 15. Is that where they were before? No, I think they were 16. I think they jumped. I think they were 16. Yeah. NC State fell all the way to number 18. Yeah, wow. Good. They shouldn't be ranked. But in between there, we got Arkansas at 16 and Pitt at 17. Wisconsin jump up to number 19. I think – wasn't Pitt – Wisconsin 19 last week? Maybe I'm wrong. I thought they were unranked. Yeah, maybe you're right. I can't remember. Um, 20, we got Kentucky. 21, we got the Mormons. Shout out. Love the Mormons. Kogas. 20. Was Ole Miss unranked going into last week? No, they were. Uh, I think they were. I think they were twenty. They were like 20, 23 or twenty four. Oh, they're number twenty two now. Um, Wake Forest is number twenty three. Tennessee is number twenty four, and Houston's number twenty five. Hey, good on good on the AP poll not ranking Texas still. Good. That's what I'm saying. I'm a little bit shocked. shocked. I thought I'm they shocked. were. They don't. Yeah, I, think, I, I think that they would. They should have just yeah to hype up the Alabama Texas game a little bit more. I mean, yeah. yeah, they kind of kicked the crap out of UL Monroe too. Oh, yeah. Hey. Jackson State out. almost beat UL Monroe last year. Hey, Quinn Ewers 
uh, interception before his first career completion. Yeah. He looked good, though. I will be honest. He looked, he he looked pretty good. Yeah, he, did, he did look good. He did look good. It just made me happy to see that first part. Yeah. Also, A&M struggled hard in the first half against Sam Houston State. Hey, so I, I want to talk about this. I don't want to just bypass it because A&M is a, is a team that is at number six. If you could explain to me, other than recruiting, why Texas A&M is the number six team in the country, I think you'd have to be smarter than, uh, than, than Einstein. I think you'd have to be just either brilliant or stupid. But isn't that – There's no – why? I agree. Haynes King looked horrible. Horrible. Haynes King did not look good. And Sam Houston State, I mean, granted they were really good last year and they got a couple good transfers, but. There are seven teams on here I would legitimately put over Texas A&M that have earned it to be above them. Like, what? I think Utah better than A&M. Yeah. No, I hate Utah, and I think they're better than A&M. Dude, I, mean, I, I have let my opinions be known about how I feel about A&M. It is a travesty. That they are still ranked this high. Sam Houston State, are you kidding me? I You're think, supposed to win the SEC this year, and or at least compete for it. And you are struggling with. Are they an FBS school? They are now. FCS recently, recently or FCS, FBS, whatever. They're FBS okay. now. Well, FBS still a, a group of five team. They shouldn't be doing it. It's just a game you can't have. I don't care that they, they did won, pull, but yeah, they did pull away in the second half. But that first half was definitely a struggle. Houston State, Houston State has some really good transfers, though. I will say that. Absolutely yeah, they got, fraud uh, of a program. BJ Foster and Desmond Jackson. They do. And they have – before that, they had a couple of guys from Baylor that were pretty good that transferred. But, um, like, I'm, I'm looking here. I think I'd even take – I think I'd take my – well, we'll get to see it. Miami, Miami and uh, A&M in a couple of weeks is going to be an awesome game. That'll and be fun. I think, I'd, I think I'd take Miami. I think I, I would, I would too. Say, I like Tyler Pinder, I don't know. Struggle seems like a stretch when you shut a team out, man. When you beat a team by 31 and shut them out, it seems like a bit of a stretch to say they really struggled with them. I know, but but feel, are you feeling confident if – say I don't know. Are you feeling confident if you only beat Sam Houston State by 31? I mean, if you shut them out and you win 31 nothing, I, I, I have no complaints in a game like that. I don't know how you complain about a win 31 nothing. Yeah, the first half was horrible. They first half was tough. It was rough. It was seven. It was seven nothing. Like with like a minute left, five minutes left yeah. in the second quarter. No, I'm not. I'm not pushing the panic button really... on Texas A&M. I just don't think they've earned it above a lot of the other teams that are below them. I mean, Baylor. I mean, but, Baylor's but, a better. Baylor's a better team than Texas A&M. They are. But that's how the AP polls are. You, you go off what they recruited, and then you go, okay, well, this team might be good. It's week one. They then win thirty-one nothing. They have no reason to be moved down at that point. There's nothing There's nothing saying other than what we've seen in the past from this team to say, hey, this team is not as good as, as, as some of these other teams, which I agree. But the thing is, is, hey, they ranked them at six. They won 31 nothing. They shut out San Houston State in their home opener. They, there's no reason for them to move at that point. Like, they're, they're, like I understand none of us like A&M, but what, what we saw from them this week has no reason to provide any situation that says, oh, this team's not as good as we thought they were. Like, there's nothing to say that. Yeah, I'm just. I'm well, saying. I'm not, my problem is that they were ranked sixth to begin with. They're not. They didn't earn that. But they. But they were recruited, yeah, well, think, which is which is what technically, quote unquote, earned them that. Oh, a lot of recruited. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is the AP, the, the voters in the AP polls said, "Hey, this team recruited really well. They've got a shot this year to be good. Here they are, SEC school. Let's put them at six. Let's see what they do. They win thirty-one nothing week one. Oh, well, maybe they might possibly. They could possibly be right still. And nothing so far in this season has shown that they're wrong. Nothing up to this point. 
The only reason like, they're all well, saying is they've been frauds for so long, which I agree. But what we've seen from them at this point in the season is not wrong. Nothing, nothing to that is wrong. We but just know they're going to be ranked but, how, but, but, but that's the thing. It, 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 that's what I'm saying is if one school is going to be that way, then Texas should be ranked. And we just said Texas should be ranked, especially after the win last week. And they normally are ranked, too. They normally yeah. are ranked very yeah. high. I just think that they ranked them too high to begin with. Yeah, I agree. I think they should have put put them around and the star out. But they should but be where Michigan State them, is. I guess. I, I just 14. don't know. I mean, they have the best recruiting class of basically all time. Um, and so then, and so I don't know what makes you say that. Like, uh, what what points you to say that? Oh, this team's going to be bad. Is what I'm saying. Other than oh, other I'm, not, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I'm not yeah. saying they're going to be bad. I just don't think they're worthy of being number six in the country. But but after the recruiting class and after all the transfers come in, I mean, you got to think like, oh, like they've got a shot this year, right? Yeah, they have a shot. They just, I just don't think they they are the number six team in the country. Yeah, they just lose four or five games a year. So but that's that's, that's what I'm saying I is we can't go off lower. history. Like this is hey, look at this recruiting class coming in this year, and then look at what they did in this first game this season. Not the last few years. Not what they've been. Re, not what they've done in the past. This is their year to do something. Correct. Well, it is, but from what I watch from what I watch from Haynes, what I watch from Haynes King is that they're not going to be winning that many big games. I guess I don't know, but that defense looks good. Really good. De- defense looks good, yeah. good, but I'm telling you, Miami Texas A&M might be the game, the best game of the non-conference, and it's gonna be an awesome game. Yeah, I like taking teams that have the better quarterback, and Tyler Van Dyke is a better quarterback than Haynes Tyler King. Tyler Van Dyke is awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, but that 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 logic doesn't always work because. I mean, look at who won the championship last year. I think Stetson Bennett kind of proved that he is he's Stetson a good Bennett. QB. Stetson Bennett looks Stetson awesome this week. It looks awesome. I, I, that defense was incredible last year, but I think I think we were under underestimating Stetson Bennett. I think everyone did because he came out and he put on a show against Oregon. He looks good, yeah. man. He did. Yeah. He looks really good. I think we gotta give him his credit, man. I think we do. The mailman's delivering. I'm not not giving him credit, but what I'm saying is, you know, you look at the championship game last year. Who are you picking? Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett, and, and look at the result of That's that fair. game. Well, I, also, I also bet on that game based off how the first game went. I, I thought Alabama was the better team. Yeah. I think Georgia had a little mental game, but fuckery with Alabama. They had to get over the hump. You know, they had a roadblock. Yeah. 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 I don't want to uh, pass up any other games before we do this, but have you got? Do you guys have any games that you really stuck out to you? Um, Oregon State beating Boise, I was surprised by. I thought Arizona looked good. Granted, they played San Diego State, not a great team, but they looked good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Any other games? Too much Florida a and play already. Yeah. I've watched like <laughs> yeah. three-fourths of each game. And, I, and they're I terrible. Mean, oh, boy, they're bad. They're they're not good. However, they do have the sack leader from last year, so he that guy's electric. But that's that's about it. Uh, but I I can't watch Florida and then play another football game. I can't. Do you think that Shadur Sanders is like good? I think he's yeah, he's he, solid. dude. He looks he looks, he looks really really he good. looked look amazing. Good. Yeah, but, I mean he's I also he had, I it's, think he's playing horrible teams, but you know I think he had more touchdowns than he had incompletions. Does Jackson State have a FBS team on their schedule this year? I know last year they played ULM. Well, look, they're they're entertaining, they be, man. If 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 anything, they're they're fun to watch. They should become an FBS team. I agree. 
They just got the number one in the country. Uh, Cook, no, I don't think no. they, they do not have a FBS team on their schedule. Although Campbell has been recruiting really well. Yeah, they had um, a weird, uh, really good recruiting class. So they do play them. I don't really want to talk wanna... about the FBS football too much, but those teams are – Jackson State was entertaining. Do you think when the Pac-12 oh, breaks up, one of the group of – or just like group of five conferences tries to nab Jackson State? I think they'd be wrong not to, man. Yeah. It's a lot of – I mean, a lot they, of I mean you, can't, yeah. you just can't pass down – like, I mean, Deion Sanders is going to recruit because he's Deion Sanders. Um, and he's going to get guys like Travis Hunter every year. He's going to. Um, every year, so, though? I mean, maybe not every year, but I, at least I guarantee they have a, a high-rated four-star every year. I guarantee At least a DB. Yeah, probably a DB, yeah. Maybe not a five-star every year, but I think the potential to get a guy like Travis Hunter is definitely there every single year. Yeah. I mean, it's kinda... hard. It's hard. If you're a corner, it's hard to not play for prime time, you know? It's well, hard. much longer? I think once Shakur leaves, I think Dion's gone. I think he'll go to a Power 5 school. Florida State, if they move on from Norvell, will they hire? They, on? I think they, they should. should. They should. They should. Yeah. That recruiting. That recruiting would be insane. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, Deion Sanders recruiting a D, like a Power Five, a historic Power Five school. That's terrifying. Yeah, especially when he played at too. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I do think Jackson State is much improved from last year. They were they were a good team last year, but they were losing to some of the. I think they lost to South Carolina State in the game I watched. So it looks like they probably won't lose game this season. So he's obviously doing a good job. I think it would be fun to watch them play an FBS team or like a, a really good group of five team. I want to see them this, like versus Coastal Carolina. Oh, boy. That'd, that'd be a be, fun one. That'd be good stuff. Uh, this is completely random, but uh, imagine watching LSU versus Iowa. Oh, boy. That game would be two to four. <laughs> Uh, I think LSU. I think LSU might win by a lot, though. You think? I mean, I'm Iowa you, sucks. If you get cross, if you get across the fifty against Iowa on offense, you you won the game. That's, that's <laughs> the ball game. They cannot. They are inept at offense. They, they are literally one. What, what's it called whenever you can't you can't have a baby? Impotent. Infertile. Impotent. Infertile. That's, that's Iowa. Uh, They're impotent at offense. Petras. All right. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I don't want to skip over this, though, because we, we did have Brett McMurphy on. It was a great interview. You guys can check that out um, uh, on our on our podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. He kind of took us behind the scenes of what was going to happen with the Tell Team Playoff, but it's official now. What do you guys think about Tell Team Playoff and what it means? Do we Are we all in favor of it? I think eight would be better, but I'm fine with 12. Yeah, I agree with I'm, eight, I'm interested but... to see what it, the schedule looks like for that. So Because... I mean, go ahead, Drew. In my in my opinion, the twelve team playoff is going to be looking a lot like the Oregon Georgia game this weekend. Yeah, a yeah. lot of the games will be looking like that, in my opinion. Because what? Don't but, the top four seeds get a bye? But you're also, uh, yeah. But you're also setting up for one of the crazier upsets in college football. So, I mean, I like that part of it. Yeah, I just don't feel like football is like basketball, though. Like the thing, the great thing about March Madness is literally anyone can win at any time. I just don't feel like football operates that same way. I mean, normally the better team, like if Alabama it plays Utah. It just doesn't. Yeah. It, if Alabama have... plays Utah, I'm not worried about Alabama losing that game. When hey. it, if it did, it'd be insane. But 
Utah beat Alabama once in the Sugar Bowl, I think 2006, 2007. Not that that well, matters now, but I'm not. I'm taking Nick Saban. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, hey, Nick Saban was there. Right? They just yeah. Hey, Alabama lost to UL Monroe in, in Saban's first year. Yeah. It's got built so, somewhere. Saban, Saban does not like his team this year either. He's not a big fan of. He, he, if his you watch his interview, he was pretty pissed at his second and third unit. So does that mean that Texas is going to beat Alabama since they beat UL Monroe this week? That's what I'm saying. Has I think Nick Saban lost? I think he'll be close to halftime. Close to halftime, and then Alabama pulls away. Yeah, I kind of think so too. We'll we'll get a we'll get a week two preview pod going, but I wanted to discuss this real quick before we leave. Um, my thing is is so look at look at what Colorado did, and 2016 I think it was they went to the Pac-12 title game, finished number 11. They would have made the playoff, right? And Joel Clapp made this this point. So they weren't able to sell their success to the recruits because recruits look at it as if you didn't play for a national title, like why you know what I'm saying. I can't go to Colorado and win a national title. But if they can be number 11 and, and play whoever number six was that year, and they are on national television and they're playing for supposedly playing for a national title, wouldn't you be able to sell that success to your recruits better? And then the recruits stop going from Denver to Ohio State. Maybe they say, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to go to Colorado, right? It and so that's kind of even – Yeah. So that – it's an interesting point because I do think that it will level the playing field, but it won't the, – the playing field right now is not level, and I think we can all admit that. But in 10 years, yeah. will it be more level because we have a 12-team playoff? In 15 years. And I kind of think it would be. I mean, it would be hard to say no. Look at a team like Iowa State the year that during COVID. Iowa State has no chance to play in the playoff and, and have success right now. Just They just don't. But if they would have made the playoff and, and say they beat uh, they, they beat Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl that year, so say they win a first-round game, they're going to recruit better because they were on a national stage. They were able to show the recruits, we can do this. I don't know. Just, just Because, thinking. like, yeah, I agree with that. Because, like, if you don't make a New Year's Six Bowl, like, yeah, the recruits are just looking at, like, oh, you went to the Valero Alamo Bowl. Like, right. Well, it's a that's natural like thing. Your, yeah, and if you're not, like, one of those teams who have been to the playoffs or anything, that's hard to sell to people. Like, yeah, you're going to get to go compete at the, yeah. like, I don't know, I the Idaho it. Potato Bowl. Right. Like, I, you don't want to get seen there. You're going to get seen at the playoffs. Like, and that's where people make their names. It, but, also, it also helps uh, people not no longer going to be opting out of games as often. Because yeah. less bowl games, bigger games. I like that part of it. Love that. Best but players in the best games. I'll like that, too, until it also, one guy gets hurt, man, and then there's a whole thing about it. Yeah, I, yeah, I like the argument. I'll make this argument, but there's a chance that a team will have to play 17 games in one year, and that's a little too much for. How would they? How would they play 17? Oh, they'd have to play in the play-in game. Yeah. See, I, I think I, to me, I think I, I know that somehow academically, maybe it's not possible. But like, why don't we just delete one of those shitty games and then extend the season a couple weeks? I yeah, honestly, take away one of those non-conferences and then or add scholarships. Yeah, I mean. There's just but then that there's so much money throws, in it, man. They're gonna do it. They're gonna play. Yeah, it they make it, they're like, do it. They're gonna... those smaller schools aren't gonna want to be like those smaller schools are gonna hate it. Like the smaller, like Idaho. Like what if Idaho wants to go get railed by Bama, but they're getting paid millions of dollars for it? Like right. that's big for small schools. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, seventeen games is hard. Look at Kent like, State's schedule this year and tell me they. <laughs> they yeah, have... you know they're making. Bag this year, yeah, they're making so. so much money. 
Yeah, they've got a tough start. Um, what did you guys think about the new helmets? The the helmets that don't have a an upper face mask. I think all the action. Those are sure. they are horrific. They look. Uh, I, no, they're. It's horrific. a Speedflex 2.0, basically. It's yeah. a Rydell helmet, and it it is it is the most ugly thing I have ever seen in my entire life. I understand that it's literally like they're saying it's the safest helmet that they that has ever been made. Um, it decreases like the chance of concussion by like twenty percent or something mm. like that. It better because it's so fucking ugly. I mean, dude, exactly. yeah, you got to make that thing look better. You have to. Just honestly, if they had a top bar on the top of the face mask, yeah. I'd feel a whole lot better about Same. it. Same. You completely, completely agree. I feel like if he gets hit weird, that shit's going to it's gonna go wrong. I don't know why. I don't know how it's safer, but apparently it is. Especially that with a visor. It looks horrible. I feel like you can't yeah, have that without a visor, right? No, you can, but you have to have yeah. it, like, permanently on. It's like a permanent visor. Yeah, I was saying, can you have one without well, a visor, though? Yeah. I think you can. But it, God, you have, like, two separate good. helmets, one with a visor and then one without. Like it's, well, if it rains, you, you're not going to wear a visor. So I feel like there's got to be a way for them to not true. have a visor. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. What what helmets are uglier? The, those, the new helmets are the ones that uh, some of those offensive linemen wear where the point, like, right here sticks oh, out. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. <laughs> I kind of yeah, those are kinda, bad. I do love. I, like I love those a, ones. I love a yeah. I love a big lineman wearing one of those helmets. They just look even. Looks like a beluga. Looks like a beluga whale's out in the field. <laughs> it does look like a beluga whale. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> All right, hey, well that about. But I'll tell you what, what's up. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, wait, wait. Last thing. Oh, go ahead, Cal. Uh, I was just going to say how we go through an entire podcast and not talk about how Quinny Orders got towed after his first game at Texas, oh. which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Is Aston Martin? Yeah, getting towed. Yeah, that's. Uh, but, you, oh, um, let me just tell you, old balls are not going to understand that sentence. My Porsche got towed. The quarterbacks, my Porsche, Porsche got towed. Got towed. Yeah, they're not going to understand that one. No, well, they would because you know all those players back in the eighties were driving the nicest cars possible. They weren't getting towed though. <laughs> they weren't. Are we putting uh we putting the Graham Hall podcast after this part or are we kidding? Yeah, I'll probably put it after this. All right. Yeah, I'll give it an intro. Was <laughs> oh, that it, everybody? Uh, okay. Well, well, after this, we have a uh, interview with a Florida insider. It'll be very interesting, especially after that Utah, the big win against Utah. So without further ado, here's our interview with the Florida insider himself. So we're excited to have on Graham Hall. He uh, is works for 24-7 Sports. Um, you can find him at 247sports.com slash college slash Florida. He covers the Florida Gators, and his Twitter handle is at Graham Hall underscore. Um, Graham like a graham cracker, I guess. And then Hall, H-A-L-L, and then underscore. Um, so Florida obviously had a big game this weekend. Um, and, and they have another one coming up this um, future weekend as well. So they start off with, with Utah and then Kentucky. Um, but we want to kind of see, see what you were thinking um, about the Florida Gators and the SEC East. Um, first off, were you at the Swamp this Saturday? I was. It was an electric atmosphere. And uh, if you haven't been to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, experienced it in person, especially a, a matchup like that against a top 10 team or, you know, when Florida has been a top 10 team, it is always electric there, even conspiratorial levels sometimes. I mean, back in 2019, 
Auburn fans, it was so deafening that they started thinking that the newly installed wireless boxes right underneath the seats were these speakers that were pumping crowd noise. And it was so loud there that, you know, the, the stadium can kind of shake at times. It is, it's electric, guys. I, listening to that game, I was, I was shocked. Like, I'm an OU fan. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I haven't ever heard Gaylord getting that loud. Like, I was, I was in shock just like seeing how, especially, I mean, you guys have had a couple down years here. And I, they're loyal fan base. They love your football. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Utah, give them a lot of credit. They traveled well. You know, they got 4,500 tickets allotted by the university to sell, but it was way more than that. I would say at least double. I, I would think around 10,000, 11,000 people from, from representing Utah were there, whether they made the cross-country trip or whether they were nearby in the area. It was really impressive. Um, and, and they certainly contributed to the moments when Florida was on the field, kind of bringing that that electricity as well. Uh, and, you know, I think that also speaks to how the Swamp is kind of on one of those bucket list type venues for people around the country, right? Like you want to go and experience it just like Gaylord would be on my list. You know, I got a chance to go to Neyland Stadium. I've been to uh, nearly every stadium in SEC right now, except for Georgia. So, you know, you want to get out there and experience in environments because you want to see how they compare to the ones you're a fan of and, and who the rival fans claim um, to have the best stadium. You want to get a taste of that, right? No, that makes a good. You make a good point there, and um, so I we had two TVs on Saturday. I'm watching both two games, and when you can hear one is just much louder than the other, and they're pretty much at the same volume, uh, you know that the, the the atmosphere was was electric. And I could tell from pretty much from even before the kickoff that that place was going to be pretty pretty loud. Um, but yeah, so I think I think we'd be uh, kidding ourselves if we didn't start off here with Anthony Richardson. Um, how special was he on Saturday? And and kind of if. If, if he takes Florida, how far can they go? You know, how, how good is he and, and what did he look like? On yeah, Saturday? if you're looking for someone who was surprised by Anthony Richardson, I got to tell you, I am not your guy. I was lucky enough before I got to 247 Sports to work for the Gainesville Sun where I was covering high school preps um, since 2015. And so I got to see Anthony in my second year when he started at wide receiver at Eastside. And then he became this just dominant quarterback for the next three years and saw his recruitment. And I don't know if you guys know that show QB one, but you know, I was on the sideline for all his games while they yeah. were filming him. Unfortunately, that thing never aired. I, I keep hoping and as does he, that we ever get that fourth season of QB one, cause they had some absolutely some interesting guys right now that you can say that they were following around for that season there. And Anthony was one of those guys who he was leading a team that with no disrespect to Eastside high school was just not up to the level of a lot of the other area teams, but I saw him consistently compete and keep his team in those games because he would do a lot of what you guys just saw out there, especially in the two point conversion attempt, evading pressure, making guys miss and either getting out in the open field, using his legs, which I think a lot of people saw last season, go back to that USF game when he went on the long run down the sideline, 70, 70 plus yards. I mean, going back to hurdling defenders, I have seen him hurdle defenders before he got to the college level. So honestly, a lot of those things, you know, you want to be surprised because those are so magnificent, but I had seen him do that, that I kind of maybe had this inflated opinion of him. With that being said, whether he can lead Florida as a starting quarterback and minimize mistakes and run the offense and be, you know, darn near perfect 99% of the time, that did remain to be seen. I mean, the most homerest of homers could go out there and tell you, that they still needed to see that question answered, whether he could lead the offense full 
full time. I, I think that the dual role last year, that was like what met, led to all the hype was the glimpses. It was kind of similar in a way to Tim Tebow that 2006 year when he is, you know, alternating with Chris Leak, even though Chris Leak is um, a different quarterback than Emory Jones. And that was the right decision, of course, to have Chris in there. But a guy who was just getting glimpses, getting a taste and giving the fan base a little bit of the experience. And you kind of just had this opinion, well, what would happen if this was what we had long term at quarterback? And right now that is Anthony Richardson, where you are going to see, yes, some mistakes, but you're seeing a guy who has an incredibly high ceiling that even when, <clears throat> excuse me, that even when the pocket were to collapse and the play were to break down, he can make something happen. You go back to that 45-yard run that he had. A couple of things went wrong there in that sequence. Michael Tarquin, the team's right tackle, gets his helmet knocked off. He has to exit for a play, and they bring in the backup right tackle, Austin Barber. Rather than subbing Barber out right away once Tarquin's ready to get back in, they maintain the hurry-up offense, keep those same five guys in there. And then Anthony Richardson runs a play at the Utah 45-yard line that his first read is covered, and he sees the entire left side of the field completely open. He takes off and runs and, and makes a you know an All-American miss there at the end. That is what makes him extremely hard to prepare for, not just opposing defenses, but your own team. Billy Napier, first-year head coach here at Florida, it was going to be hard for him to assess what Richardson could do because so little do you spend a lot of your time game planning for what could go wrong, what's going to happen when things go wrong. You never, as a head coach, want to think, hey, the play is going to come apart. We have a quarterback who can make things happen and make up for it. But now I think everyone, including Florida's coaching staff, saw that they have a guy who can really make things happen when the play comes apart at the seams. I think that's kind of how I was. I I, I was kind of Anthony Richardson was a big question mark and just kind of he was good, but I I don't think anyone kind of understood that he was about to be dodging twelve guys in one play and going and scoring. But Is he frozen too. Uh, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, that that guy's incredible. I I I don't have anything else to say. Like I think I saw something yesterday about like NFL draft boards. And he's already popped his name up in the top ten already. It's it's crazy, but he'll be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Right, I so, think there's uh, a lot still that he you know can work on, though. You know, there were some sequences where he could have been picked off. Uh, he needs to do, I think, a better job assessing the opposing defense. Give Utah a lot of credit. I mean, what we're talking about here right now is a team that a lot of people projected would you know get out of the Pac-12, make the college football playoff. They, they, that still could happen. Right, they could run the table here, and we'd be talking about an eleven and one Utah team at the end of the season. That is still a possibility here, and then we could look back and and see that Florida was wildly underprojected. But this is a team right now that needs Anthony Richardson to do something that I think you didn't see on Saturday. And I don't want to be a downer in any sense, but they need to make sure that they protect him better than they did on Saturday. Uh, I think that even though he didn't get sacked, even though he was able to evade pressure. This is a guy that after him at quarterback, there really is someone that changes the dynamic of your offense. And I, and I hate, like I said, being a downer like that, but he has had injuries in the past. They need to find a way to keep him as dynamic as possible and allow Florida to still be effective on offense without really putting him at risk of injury. And I think that's where the running backs come into play. If you saw Florida under Dan Mullen, probably the biggest complaint from Florida fans was that they had this bevy of backs 
that people thought were NFL caliber. And, you know, maybe that was Florida homerism at the time, right? But now you're seeing with Damian Pierce and even Malik Davis making a Cowboys practice roster, you're seeing that this is a team that had underutilized running backs. And now Billy Napier clearly wants to run the ball with the guys that he has. And he, I mean, he went back to Montreal Johnson after the fumble and Montreal was just huge in that fourth quarter. Trevor Etienne, I mean, talk about a dynamic freshman in his debut. He looked really, really good. Um, and of course, Naquan Wright coming back in the fold. He was just fantastic as well. So I think you look at those guys, they can, I think, take pressure off of, of Anthony Richardson so he doesn't have to go out there and do everything this season. But when he has to, he clearly has a threat to score on every single play. So I guess our next question is uh, still on about Anthony Richardson. Um, how did Dan Mullen not see this guy as a starter last year? And like, was he, was it just like, was he just waiting on an opportunity or was just a miss, a miss by Dan Mullen? I, I think that it's a little bit of a mix of both. I mean, you could even make the case that Dan Mullen um, misevaluated, I guess we could say it, Florida's quarterback room, even before Emory Jones and, and Anthony Richardson, you go back to him playing Felipe Franks over Kyle Trask, who, you know, as good as Felipe is, give him a whole lot of credit. I mean, that was a guy who looked good at Arkansas and, and now is on an NFL roster. Kyle Trask clearly was able to run a different level of, of offense than Felipe Franks was. And I think that that was maybe a sign right there that this guy who had been, you know, bestowed as a quarterback whisperer in a sense before he got to Florida for what he had done with Dak Prescott and Nick Fitzgerald, maybe this guy, and of course, even Tim Tebow before that, you know, this was a guy maybe that um, had some shortcomings in the department or was overly confident in his evaluation. I mean, remember that he went out there and, and got, you know, Emory Jones and didn't play him, um, you know, initially. And then after he spent his time through the transfer portal, four years developing, Mullen maybe felt, felt a little bit of a sense that he should reward him with that starting quarterback job and kind of let Anthony Richardson wait his term in a sense. But we're in a sport where you have to play the best player, whether they are a freshman or a sixth year senior. Otherwise, those players are going to leave and go to the transfer portal. That is just the way it is right now. So the case that Florida fans were arguing was that Richardson should be out there being the guy because he had the highest ceiling. Dan Mullen didn't see it that way. Clearly, right or wrong, that was just his situation. He had prepared this guy for four years and was going to give him a chance until he failed. And I think a lot of people felt like he never even should have got that chance or he should have lost his opportunity sooner than he did. And remember, this is a guy who only made it, you know, waited four years and then made it six starts before he was benched, really, um, and then split the role a lot more with Richardson last year. So it was a miss by Dan Mullen. But to answer your question of how it happened, it was because the guy was looking at it through a different lens than we are all looking at it. Whether he wasn't looking at it, who was the most talented? He was looking at who was the most deserving of playing right now. And, and I was the fourth year guy in his mind. So let's talk, let's talk about Billy Napier then um, instead of, of Dan Mullen though. Um, so, so Napier hired an incredible amount of coaches, just a high amount of coaches, um, whether it's analysts or, or weightlifting coaches. He, I think that the ratio was like maybe one to four or I don't remember what it was, but player to coach was very high. Um, what has that looked like in him kind of changing the staff and the culture in Florida this, this offseason? And, and how, is, how would you assess Billy Napier through one game so far? 
Yeah, that that photo, that team photo is pretty funny, right? I mean, the amount of people that they had in the stands, it was outnumbering the players. And I, I enjoyed seeing everyone posting the photos of, you know, what some of these staffs looked like previously. You didn't have a full nutrition staff. You had one weight train guy. You know, you were really missing a lot of the resources back then that you have today. And I think Billy Napier is a guy who, one of his philosophies is for everyone to know your job, right? That's, I think, a very, it's kind of a cliche in this business in a sense. Know your role, know your job. That, I think, extends to support staff as well. He doesn't really want this overlap of people working on multiple things, as in you shouldn't be in charge of nutrition and and and, and development at the same time. You, you know, you should have one role that you can focus on that role. And I think that has led to the hiring of this army of support staff that you're seeing right now. And, and part of it was the fact that we are in an ever-expanding sport. The SEC makes a whole lot of money every single year from the broadcast deals. And when Billy Napier got on campus, Scott Strickland did give him a larger assistant staff pool than the previous regimes had. And the previous regimes had, you know, an increase before, but the increases have allowed and the investment has allowed Florida to hire the amount of people that they have, whether it's 80 plus student assistants or, you know, multiple interns in the recruiting room, it has increased across the board. And that is obviously a credit to Billy Napier coming out and saying, I need all of these things. And then Florida uh, acquiescing and agreeing that that's what's going to happen. But that's a credit to Napier's philosophy. And what you've seen so far, I think, as someone who is preaching discipline as well. And and that kind of leads me to my impression of him from the Utah game. I I know that a lot of stuff wasn't really cleaned up from a penalty standpoint to uh, even some busted plays, some defensive alignment issues. I think that there's still much that Florida can improve upon. But when Billy Napier got here, he really was preaching discipline. And that's what I saw in the Utah game, a, a team that was able to rally overcome mistakes and get back on track rather than letting them pile up and lead to a defeat in a game that you shouldn't have lost, so to speak, which we've seen from the 2020 LSU game to a lot last season. Discipline was a huge issue for Florida, as was kind of a split locker room. When something went wrong with the offense, the defense would be frustrated and vice versa. That's not happening right now. Um, A lot has been mended. That's part of why people preach for bringing in a new coach, because when your locker room is fractured, it's really, really difficult to overcome that with the same coaches in the building, because they're kind of the people that that stuff is getting taken out on fairly or unfairly. But in this case, Florida wanted to move on and moving on has led to a lot of healing. And I think you saw the healing and the discipline in Billy Napier's first game. Um, That's probably the thing that stood out to me the most. No more throwing shoes. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, you know, <laughs> that that game is going to be remembered for the shoe throw. But do you guys remember the fog from that game? How oh, yeah. cloudy it was. No one could see anything in that press box. And then to watch Cade York hit a 57-yard field goal through the fog. We didn't even know if it went in or not. I'm sitting there being like, the only way we knew is because everything we just talked about in the first segment, the crowd, they were completely silent. And everyone's going to blame Marco for that shoe throw. And some people are going to blame Todd Grantham for keeping him in the game after the shoe throw. And for Florida not having depth at multiple positions on defense so that they couldn't sub in guys who could maybe get a stop there before 
that 57-yard kick, there are a lot of ways that you could have blamed uh, several people from that LSU game. But, you know, accountability is, I think, a, a huge aspect. That's also a huge aspect of, of what Napier has brought. You know, teammates should be comfortable criticizing and giving advice to each other rather than getting upset when their teammates are looking after them and, and invested in the best interests of the team. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to bounce it over a little bit with the SEC. So how do you feel about Georgia absolutely murdering Oregon this last weekend? I wasn't surprised by that one. I think that that was – if you've seen Georgia, uh, I mean, I think that their demise was a little bit oversold, right? I mean, this defense is still, in my opinion, the best in the country. Um, you know, Alabama, of course, has an argument, but Georgia is a fantastic team. Uh, I, I think that, you know, Dan Lanning would, you saw that interview with Kirby Smart. I mean, he would admit that the work he has, he did at Georgia was incredible. And being there for less than nine months in Eugene, he wasn't going to make up enough ground to have them compete in that game, especially in, in Georgia's backyard. Um, it kind of was a losing battle going in, in my mind. And it, it can be compared to the Florida-Utah game. I mean, this Utah-Florida game was scheduled years ago. And I think no one thought at the time that you would be having this unranked Florida team coming off a losing season. Because you remember all those lists that were out there. People were saying Dan Mullen was a top 10 coach in college football and one of the SEC's best. And everything, like I said, a quarterback whisperer. No one thought that they would be under a new coach when Utah came into the swamp. Just like I don't think a lot of people in Oregon thought that they would be moving on and that Mario Cristobal would be in Miami. It's it's a crazy coaching carousel in this sport. And Georgia is just one of the most dominant teams in the country right now that I was telling everyone, hey, this is going to be a 35-point blowout. Um, and if you're on the West Coast and you're a fan of Oregon and think that the Pac-12 can compete you know, in games like this, uh, I got a bridge in, in Brooklyn to sell you. I think that sums up the Pac-12, just how the entire year is going to go. I really yeah, do. I, mean, if, if, I just if, if Utah runs the table, right? I mean, what an indictment of the conference in my mind, um, because Florida is one of the weaker teams. But I mean, right now it looks like that. I, I may have to eat crow in a few weeks, but I think you could make an argument that four, maybe five teams are still going to finish ahead of, of Florida in the standings um, if Texas A&M, Georgia, Alabama – you know, live up to the standards. And that's before we've been talking about Kentucky and Tennessee, two teams that were ranked higher than Florida coming into the season. So I think that right there, that puts Florida at six. And if they beat the Pac-12's best, guys, I mean, it's kind of case closed right there. Makes me a little nervous, but honestly kind of happy as well. We'll see. I, you know, I, I think that this upcoming Florida-Kentucky matchup is is one that I think you'll really be able to tell. If, if Florida loses to this Kentucky team in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium against a team that, you know, beat them last year and, and beat them in, what, 2018, I mean, that would yep. be three out of the last five to Kentucky, a team that you hadn't lost to in 30-plus years. I mean, that streak was what we always talked about when it came to Kentucky. And eventually it snapped, and now it's going to be a, a, you know, at risk of being a losing record for Florida. Um, but if you watch that Kentucky game this last weekend, I think a lot of people would have serious questions about their offensive line and 
how one dimensional their offense is looking right now without Rodriguez and especially with those other running backs getting a little dinged up. Um, I have serious questions about them. I, I definitely think Florida has a really good chance of going two and to begin the season. And when, you know, we were in the preseason, everyone was saying that Florida possibly had the toughest, if not one of the toughest um, September schedules in all of college football. There was a lot of one and three predictions out there. So, uh, what do you expect a successful season would look like performed this year? I first was telling everyone that a winning record would be a huge, you know, successful season. Go back to looking at what Napier did at Louisiana. He goes seven and five his first year and then double digit winning seasons. The next three that he's there, including what 12 and one last year. I mean, if that is the blueprint, you got to be okay with going seven and five. I think anything worse than seven and five would maybe be a little bit disheartening, knowing that you're coming off of a six and seven campaign and you had a full year to prepare with Richardson and you get some of your defensive leaders back in Brenton Cox and Ventrell Miller and Javon Dexter is just looking like an absolute beast right now. Uh, you have a number one corner in Jason Marshall. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why Florida should have a winning record this season. The schedule, when we all looked at it, going to Texas A&M, playing this Georgia team, playing Kentucky and Tennessee so early into the Napier regime. I mean, that just kind of looked like four losses right there. And then we've seen time and time again that when things aren't going great in Gainesville, this Florida team can underestimate the likes of Missouri. I mean, they're five and five against Missouri since they joined the SEC or even South Carolina. I mean, people were saying to me, South Carolina is 100% a win. And I'm sitting there talking to fans saying, you remember that it was 40 to 17 last year. And now they have Spencer Rattler and a second year of Shane Beamer. I mean, there were all these reasons that you could make that Florida could lose five games this season very easily before ever seeing the product on the field. And that's before I was even talking about Utah. So you could make a case for six and six very easily. The standards are high in Gainesville and seven and five, I think is still the benchmark. But after this weekend, there's a lot of Florida fans that are thinking eight win season, nine win season, going into college station and winning, competing with Georgia. And I do think that still remains to be seen because everything I just said, we may be talking about a poorly um, or a highly evaluated Utah team compared to what they actually have right now in Salt Lake City. That, that could be the case until I see Florida compete against some SEC teams right now and stay healthy. Um, I still think that seven and five is where you should kind of set your standards. And if you exceed it, then start partying then, right? Jake, you're muted. <laughs> muted. Muted again. You're still muted. I'm clicking on mute. Hey. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Uh, so... Let's move here to the Kentucky game this week. Uh, obviously, it's at home. You get Kentucky. That didn't look great um, from from my estimation. Um, but you said, like you said earlier, I mean, Kentucky has been a little bit hot in this rivalry uh, of late, especially compared to 30 years where they didn't have a single win in, in the series. What do, what, do you, what do you think is the keys to this specific game? Uh, I know you mentioned the running game didn't look great. Um, but what do you think Florida has to do from from a, a game plan standpoint to, to beat well, the Wildcats? Yeah, they need to cover a little bit better than they did against Utah. I, this, this is a different Utah passing offense than I think you'll see Kentucky deploy, um, you know, under Rich. I, I think that they can beat you, obviously, a lot more um, with speed in, the, in space. They, uh, you know, 
Florida just played probably the two best tight ends that they're going to see all season long in, in Keithy and, and Kincaid. And I think that when you look at what Tavion Robinson brings to the table and, and what some of these other guys are able to do, it's going to really, I think, come down more to Florida's corner coverage than what we just saw, where Utah was able to take advantage of the linebackers that had dropped into coverage. The other thing is that Florida's defensive line is going to need to make an impact on this game. I'm not saying that they didn't against the Utes, but you know, sacks. Um, there were times where they overcommitted on the rush. Maybe that was due to the jitters and some stuff like that. But I think that when you have this talented front seven, seeing that, you know, Will Levis just got sacked, what, four times by the Red Hawks? No disrespect to Miami, Ohio, but Florida has a better pass rush than that. I, I think that if they can blitz and get some pressure on Levis, force him into some turnovers um, or some errant throws um, and sack him, provide pressure, especially that, you know, they uh, don't really have a great run game right now. Like we mentioned, that is something I think that Florida has to put an onus on heading into that game, disrupting the quarterback, taking him out of it, because if Kentucky wins this game, it's going to be on the backs of, of Levis. You know, he's going to have to go out there and pass for 250 more yards. There's going to have to be some, you know, blown plays by the Gators or just, you know, good play calling by Stoops, you know, give them a whole lot of credit for their stability and this program, I think, changing the way that they are perceived within the SEC for the last year. But I think that Florida shouldn't look at this as a, a daunting team, especially that you just played Utah, uh, a team I think still has an argument of being across the board more talented than this Kentucky team right now. You really need to take advantage of, of, of what Kentucky is missing too. Um, no Rodriguez, the SEC's best rusher. If you get, you know, beat up on the ground, even though, you know, smoke is incredibly capable. That is a failure in my mind. I, I think that Florida could win this game by double digits right now. So um, we got one more question for you. We like to ask this to everybody we interview on this pod. Um, who's the most famous person you have on your phone? Oh, man. I mean, may, maybe Tim Tebow, maybe Kadarius Tony. I, I mean, Steve Spurrier. I, that's Kyle Pitts. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they got to be Florida affiliated. I feel a few NASCAR drivers and stuff too, but um, Do you, you have know, Jeff Gordon maybe Trey Mann. I don't. No, that'd be awesome. Oh. though. that'd be awesome. I'm tempted to look right now. If we're being totally honest, you know, I've had the same phone, same phone number for more than a decade now, and so um, I'm, I'm kind of tempted to to look. Um, but I feel like Tim Tebow edges out Kadarius yeah. Tony and fans. Tim, he won't. Little Tim little won't answer my calls. Don't worry. It's not like I can call. <laughs> Tim Tebow knows who I am, but I've got, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that that's probably, that'd be up there. You know, maybe Dan Orlovsky. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's tough. Guys. That's, uh, that's a I good question. Dan. That's a good question. Okay. Well, Graham, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a great interview. We love talking uh, Florida and, you know, they're, they're, they're a hot topic right now with the big win and another, another big game. Uh, coming up this week um so yeah we, we appreciate you having you on again you guys can follow graham hall um on on twitter at graham hall underscore and then find him at 24 7 sports.com slash college slash florida um but yeah we appreciate you uh a lot graham my pleasure guys thanks for having me this is good stuff um good yeah i'm looking forward to it when we set this up we thought that we were possibly talking about a, a florida loss to utah and now i think the conversation changed <laughs> a little bit right <laughs> yeah switch the narrative on right him. 
That's why we talking season's yep. over. That's why we play the games. That's why we play the games. Amen. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt.